Jose Canseco, variously called the bad boy of baseball or the godfather of steroids, has written a much-talked-about book he calls Juiced that purports to tell the truth about his own use of anabolic steroids and human growth hormone, and the same about other top players in the major leagues. In the book, Canseco names names, some of them superstar players, all of whom have categorically denied his charges. But none of them agreed to talk to us on camera about it, though they and many others are publicly calling Canseco nasty names, mainly a liar. But he is prepared for that? Take a look and see what you make of it. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Jose Canseco Cast, a podcast about baseball legend Jose Canseco, with your hosts, Jeff May and Adam Todd Brown. Hey, everybody. Hello, everybody. Welcome. Welcome. Bienvenidos a... A Jose Cast. I'm Adam Todd Brown. And I'm Jose Canseco. What? Thank you for listening to Jose Cast. <laughs> Give me $150 for this. You're not really Jose Canseco, though, I'm not. You? I'm Jeff May. Because Jose Canseco will not talk about this. We're too hot for him. Yeah. He's afraid of us. It's a real hot potato yeah. situation in Jose's like, life right now. I like how he denied... Uh, the cameo, so I want to do another cameo of him apologizing for denying the first cameo. Yeah, we got to get him on camera somehow. Right? Or some, his daughter. Some web series people got him to do a bunch of stunts apologizing to people. Right? He sent an edible arrangement to Pudge. That's really funny. Yeah. They also tried to send a barbershop quartet to Rafael Palmero, <laughs> <laughs> and he shot it down. Like Rafael did? No, or, Jose Canseco was like, I'm not doing that. Whoever did that is a genius. Yeah, they also tried to, when they brought up A-Rod, yeah. he was like, I'd rather kick his ass in an MMA ring. This is me challenging Alex Rodriguez you know to why? a fight. Yeah, yeah. I found that out when I was reading some, uh, watching three hours of in. I watched a three hour long smash cut of interviews of like post juiced yeah. interviews. Like the Letterman one is really fascinating. I should tell people that's what we're talking about yeah, this week is Juice. Yes, we're talking about Juice. We've talked about sort of the contents of Juice and really Jose's career up until this point. But now we're talking of outside of baseball, creating the book Juice, leaning towards Vindicated and his sort of both the process and then also the fallout. Yeah. And I think we should start with something you brought up before we started recording, because all of this centers around him being blacklisted or blackballed yeah. from baseball he claims and whenever he's asked by the way and this is important to address because people are like how do you know and he's like uh, some people athletes from other sports have told me and it's like what yeah it's like you don't know that and that's it's a thing that happens in baseball sure. like but baseball is the kind of sport that will do it officially yeah. like pete rose pete is Rose. officially banned from baseball yeah. like they have no problem and they kind of would have grounds to do it to jose canseco yeah but I don't think they did. And one of the things that, because we're going to get into why he wrote Juiced, and it has a lot to do with him being blacklisted. It's, it's really, it's funny to hear him say out loud that it's sour grapes is what led him to doing it. Right. He says it. He says, I'm angry. And he points to one specific incident 
also yeah well yeah the, the flame on the gunpowder yeah you know, the gunpowder been laid out for quite some time and then somebody dropped the match on it but something you mentioned before we started recording he had been signed by the expos he was just signed, wasn't playing that well he was signed he was in a speculative contract with them in 2002 he was in spring training and they released him because they were like we can't can't do anything with you you know you're not yeah you're and not there we're talking 2001 by the point where he decides that maybe he's going to start writing a book. Yeah. And he was released in March of 2002. Yeah. His rookie season was what? 86, 80, uh, 80, 85, 86 first, was yeah. his first full season. So he played like 15 years. Well, they also, by the way, released him to say, we'll let you play in our AAA as a regular and Canseco declined. Right. He wanted to be in the majors. He didn't want to play AAA. And I honestly, when I hear him talk about this, I feel like it's because he thought steroids could keep him going. Well, yeah, you got to remember too, National League. The Expos are a National League team, which means he won't get to just DH. Right. He can't be Matt Stairs. You yeah. Know, like just like a dude who's just like, I hit and then I sit down. Yeah. Like it's a that's job not he how could do from work. a wheelchair, basically. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like you've got a blown out back. Yeah. And fucking horse tranquilizers running through your body. We can't put you out in right field. But he nevertheless blames the writing of Juiced on one particular incident. Yeah. And it's kind of a famous incident where he has a tryout with the Dodgers, yeah. a workout for the Dodgers. And one of the sources, if people want to check it out, that some of these details are pulled from, there's a 30 for 30 podcast episode about Juiced, which is, if you listen to the whole thing, it's 42 minutes long. It's kind of a condensed, boring version of this entire podcast. Yeah. It's because, a not as good, but yeah. somehow Canseco involved. But what's podcast. important is they interview the people who ghost wrote, yeah. edited, and published Juiced. And boy. And oh man. There's a lot to say about that. <laughs> and a lot of surprises the fact that there is a ghostwriter is very and an editor yeah and anyone overseeing this process at all is surprising but the event that they get to right away right because they ask like why why did did you you write this? this book and he says i can tell you exactly when i had the idea to write juiced it was when he had this workout with the dodgers and this is a quote a little long but not too long by the end of the tryout and i'll never forget what lasorda said the media asked him, so, t- and Tommy Lasorda, Dodgers manager. Famous. Yeah, very famous. Frontman of Tommy Lasorda's baseball on the Sega Genesis. We used to live in the same apartment complex, not at the same time, but my apartment downtown. Yeah. I uh, pulled up an old newspaper article about it, and it mentioned that Tommy Lasorda lived there, which wow. I can't imagine. That place was not that nice. Tommy Lasorda doesn't seem like a guy who needs nice. Yeah, probably not. And it was close to Dodger Stadium. Okay, let's get back to that quote. By the end of the tryout, and I'll never forget what Lasorda said, the media asked him, so tell me, Tommy, did Jose make the team? Lasorda says he didn't make the team. He looked like he was out of shape. I've never been out of shape in my life. So for a chub little fat troll like Tommy Lasorda, who is, you know, the worst Humpty Dumpty out of shape pasta eating moron I've ever seen to tell the media that I was out of shape. That's a slap in the face to an athlete. There's a lot to unpack about that, that quote. And it's a reminder of how Jose views the world, which right. is that you're more fit than Tommy Lasorda, but his job <laughs> means that you're major league baseball fit. 
And you don't have to be in shape to be a judge of who is in good enough shape to play baseball. You know who you have to be? A decades-long baseball manager. You got to be Tommy Lasorda. (laughs) He might be the most qualified person to decide whether or not you will win games. Yeah. Because he does Dodgers. nothing but sit and watch professional athletes yeah. play baseball. That's He knows who's good of, and who's not. It's kind of the vibe, my man. Like, yeah. But you can also see, so number one, it shows how he views the world. Number two, it also shows how sort of temperamental Jose can be that he still is holding this grudge because somebody said that Jose, who was 39 at the time, right, was just like, yeah, man, he's out of shape. And he's like, no, I'm not. It's like, you are. You are. How many back surgeries have you had? Your life must be a fucking nightmare. Yeah. I feel like there's something to some of the criticisms about why he wrote this book, especially the money stuff. I don't don't discount that at all. Well, let's put it this way. The only way to get Jose to sort of dictate the book and to sort of tell these stories and get these stories going was to literally have him lay down on a bed because of how he was living in discomfort because of his back. Yeah. You're not playing fucking baseball if you can't even sit in a chair and tell a story. It's never going to work. Yeah, I feel like he went into that Dodgers workout with some really unrealistic expectations. And I kind of get it because one thing that stood out to me researching this, he ended his career with 462 home runs. Yeah. I feel like he just wanted to get to 500. Of course he did. And that's a. I understand. Yeah, I would also want to chase that. Yeah. Remember when fucking Brett Favre was like, I think I'm going to go to New York and sexually harass women and, and ruin yeah. their careers. Remember when he did that? Yeah. Uh, send Jen Sturger my dick and then shit. get her fired over it. Fuck Brett Favre. Yeah, fuck him Brett, all day. But like Brett, Jen Sturger, good friend of the show. Fucking good, good human. But like, yeah, yeah. Fucking Brett Favre going to New York and then like keep getting offered money. It's like, well, why the fuck wouldn't you do that? Oh, yeah. It's for a sure. ton of money. And Jose, one of the things I've noticed, because I've watched so many fucking interviews, that he always keeps saying, I would have played for free. I would have played for free. And it's like, you're not worth the spot. Yeah, that's the thing. He was also just a huge distraction. By this point in history, it wasn't one incident where he rammed his wife's car. Like His second wife, he like grabbed her by the hair. Yeah. So he had all of these incidents already with the second wife pulling her hair. There was an incident where he had, I think, tried to go into the stands after a fan said something crazy. Which Uh, we've all been that fan before, right? Oh, of course. Because I have. (laughs) I've told that story before on the podcast, right? Yeah. Yeah. The Fuck you, Jacques Jones. Yeah. Oh, I thought it was Tori Hunter. It was Tori Hunter Hunter who intervened. Who who intervened and broke it up. Shock Jones. Was Thank you, future Hall of Famer Tori Hunter. He was. I was in great shape, and in my head at the time, I was like, "This guy's gonna murder me." <laughs> there was also an incident where he got in a fight. Him in and Ozzy bar in a bar in I think Miami with some tourists on like Halloween, right? Which I can't not picture Jose in like a Dracula outfit (laughs) right like a big massive cuban dracula just beating the shit out of some tourists with his twin dracula brother (laughs) that would be amazing like the white grease paint on his face i also i also his hair like dracula that he definitely does i also can't imagine that those tourists probably didn't have it coming a little bit sure but man what are you carrying with you where you'd be like Let's pick a fight with these two horses. (laughs) 
The Canseco yeah. brothers are meaty men. They are very sizable. But yeah, what I'm getting at is he was a distraction. He was a problem. When you combine that with the fact that he was declining, it's not yeah. worth signing him. Yeah, you're not worth the roster spot, unfortunately. And like, thank you for your service. Right. We appreciate you making baseball interesting. Yeah, but you've done enough. It's time to move on. And that really gets him mad. It got him mad that Tommy Lasorda assessed him negatively and that he is aware of the fact that he is no longer going to be playing baseball professionally. Right. And so he handles it the best way that a player who has gone to pasture, you know, with the dignity and respect. No, I'm just kidding. He yeah. goes home and gets really angry and says he's going to write a book. Yeah. Decides to write a tell-all book. This is another quote. Major League Baseball was saying, Jose, we don't care what you do. We're not going to let you in this game again. When I went home, I said, people have to know my story. I am not going to go silently into the night. That's not my character. And one of the very few ways to get back very few ways back then to get the story out was through writing a book. This guy's a fucking sociopath. Oh, for sure. 50%. Yeah. He's like, uh, if I can make a... He's a narcissist. If I can make a watch Batman reference, he's Two-Face. Right. He flips the coin and he Isn't that just a Batman reference? Well, yeah, but... (laughs) Go on. (laughs) I mean, it's fair enough. So he's like, I'm going to write a book. People need to hear my story. And he goes into this with the idea of like, I'm just going to talk about me using steroids and that I have injected several nameless players with steroids. Right. And then he's like, they they go to Regan Books. Yeah, Regan Books was the publisher of Juiced. They are a division of HarperCollins Publishing, but you all knew that. They're like a pulp book. They specialized in controversial books. A couple examples, they had previously published How to Make Love Like a Porn Star by Jenna Jameson. I bought that as a Christmas gift for somebody. Hootie hoo! And If I Did It by O.J. Simpson, which I bought as a Christmas gift for Jeff this year. Uh, Yay. <laughs> How'd you get one? That would be worth a lot of money. It's out there. I you thought it was. It. Oh, you can get it as like a yeah. TXT file or something. Yeah. I think someone actually sent it to me at one point. I thought they shelved it. I thought it was like. No, they did, come but it got out. I like that. And yeah, this happened after Jose's agent reached out to Judith Regan, who was the head of Regan Books. And requested a meeting. Fun twist. So she has this meeting with Jose Canseco. And they talk about the story. And he's like, I'm going to talk about steroids. And she decides to pay for the rights to publish the book. It's funny because she opens with, I don't know who you are other than I think you fucked Madonna. Yeah. She's like, I think I've seen you in People Magazine. And I'm pretty sure you fucked Madonna. Why should I care about you? Right. And he probably reiterates that he fucked Madonna. Or didn't. And then says, also, I'm going to talk about steroids a little bit. And the project, I love this detail. At that point, she pays Jose Canseco for the rights to publish his story, which doesn't mean the book is coming out. No, it just it means, means they got dibs. They got dibs on it. And she hands it off to an editor named Daniel Nairi. And she gives Daniel Nairi two packets of documents One of them is for the book Juiced, and the other is for a book called Mr. Big, which is about a man with the world's largest dick. Also, Jose (laughs) Canseco. He sold two different properties. (laughs) And this editor decides, all right, which of these books has more legs? 
and naturally decides the dick book. Yeah, let me get some of this dick. Is the one they should go after. So they start looking into that and then realize we're going to ruin this yeah. guy's life. This guy's life is sad and bad. And- yeah, and we're going to make it worse if we write this book. So instead, let's go with the other dick book, which is juiced and ruined dozens and dozens of lives. Yeah. <laughs> let's just dish. Yeah. The best way to describe it is it's like the sports inquirer. Yeah. So Jose is like, you know, I'm going to say this, but I'm going to be vague. And Regan's like, no, 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 you're not. No, you're not. Or we're not going to make the fucking book. Yeah. You she's have, she's to, like, name you names. have to fucking name names, which that's where you can tell that that's where he's going to have the crisis part of being like, ah. Yes. And then he goes, ah, I don't know. I'm really going to. Okay. Yeah. But he was mad enough. And he actually, I didn't put this quote in the notes, but on that podcast, there's a quote from her where she's like, he didn't seem bitter to me when we met with him. He just seemed like a little upset and like he wanted to tell his story. Oh yeah. And then there's a quote from Jose Canseco where he's like, no, I was angry. You don't get blinded by being upset. You get blinded by anger. Yeah. And I was blinded by anger when I decided to name names in this book. He, one thing to know about this book that he has consistently said, the further we get away from it is this book is the worst thing he's ever done. Right. Shout shout out to his ex-wife's hair. (laughs) Poor Frank Thomas is like, I would disagree. (laughs) But, he stands by the idea that this book was a mistake. He hates it. But once you get that ball rolling, what can you do? You know, and he's stubborn enough to stand by it. I think he stood by it at the time. Yeah. But really in around 2014 or, you know, he really comes out and he's just yeah. like, I really regret writing this book. But she's like, we have to sell books. Yeah. We're not in the business to give you money. We're in the business to make money selling books, and we won't sell books if you don't yeah, drop some fucking names. She, Yeah, she legitimately threatens to not publish the book if he doesn't name names. And here's a quote from him about that. I had lost sleep, and I had nightmares with one little devil on one shoulder and an angel on the other shoulder. The devil saying, do it for what they did to you. People need to know your story. The angel saying, no, don't do it. Forgive and forget. But you know what? The Little Devil won because I was angry at Major League Baseball. I don't think those nightmares actually happened. I don't think that dream happened whatsoever. I think he's a liar. Yeah. Well, I do want to say that the best part of that 30 for 30 doc, I mean, the interviews are interesting, but the statement said in the very opening is to describe the history of this book when the information you are receiving is from a notoriously unreliable narrator. You have to glean a lot of things. Like there's a lot of information you have to sort of piece together and some information that I have pieced together is apparently wrong. Yeah. Cause I pieced together the way this book reads is to know that there's a ghostwriter is embarrassing for the ghostwriter. It really is because I think we've said a couple times on this podcast that clearly Jose Canseco wrote juiced by himself, which is unrealistic. I don't know to believe that there was no editorial process but it feels like for sure an editor but i didn't think for a second like i pictured jose literally sitting down and typing a book and being frenetic some days but now we find out that this book was primarily dictated interpreted and then written right by a sports writer named steve ketman steve ketman Just one more thing on that. The impression I get from this now, knowing that there was that whole process, is yes, there was an editor, 
but I don't know that they had Jose Canseco's best interest in mind when they were editing this book. You think? And <laughs> like, she really? <laughs> and even the ghostwriter they send seems like a weird choice. He fucking hates Jose Canseco. He is not a fan. It is so obvious. He does nothing but shit on Jose Canseco this entire time. And he fought really hard to get this assignment. But he had been like trying to blow the whistle on steroids yeah. in baseball, but didn't really have any evidence, which there's no harm in that. He was just saying, like, look at these motherfuckers. Yeah. They're obviously That's the doing evidence. steroids. Look at this mo- yeah. look at, look look at the guy. Look at the guy. So he fights really hard to get this book, but he clearly doesn't like jose canseco he talks about uh, he talks shit on his home yeah here's the quote jose was doing everything he could to make excuses so i get there he wants to show me around his ridiculous mcmansion that he had with horrible choices on display everywhere and you just looked around and you thought does anybody actually live here what a bitch thing to say yeah and then he gets mad or talks shit because jose canseco wanted to like Go hang out for the night. Yeah, let's go out and then go to an after party. And he's like, we've got a book to write. And it's like, this is your first day. This is the first day of school. You ain't learning shit on the first day of school. And as a writer, if my next few months are going to be spent writing in someone else's voice, I want to spend a little time and get to know that person. Yep. And instead, he's just like, no, sit out. Yeah. Let's book. He's being a dick kind of like who doesn't want to party with jose i'm sorry are you not getting paid for this yeah fucking yeah you're getting paid to go drink with jose canseco that's something from a kickstarter yeah hard times which that is a thing i found he at one point when he was on house arrest charged fans twenty five hundred dollars to come hang out with him for a day we could have kickstarted the (laughs) shit out of that dude and people were like mad about it it's like why you have to hang out at jose can we still do that for a day we should go fund me that i'll pay twenty five hundred hundred dollars to hang out with jose canseco we should 100 percent crowdfund if it's still possible to... i don't think it's still a thing but it seems like he wouldn't turn down twenty five hundred dollars yeah he'd probably go for it especially if it was the two of us well we could just show up and like Force toss twenty five hundred dollars in his face and then barge our way into his house <laughs> out of the way meet you're on house arrest again today chump yeah <laughs> We just bought the law. <laughs> Sit your ass down. Go lay down in that canopy bed. We're going to talk juice. <laughs> We're going to write another book. <laughs> Take us out. It's called Juicy. <laughs> it's about that thick ass. That's what his wife's book is called. Really? Oh. Jessica Canseco wrote a book called Juicy. <laughs> Why am I just finding out about this now? <laughs> I just saw it today. Maybe I made that up, but I don't think so. It's going to be like an onion article or something. <laughs> There it is. It sure Juicy, is. Juicy confessions of a former baseball life. That's oh, man. dope. I mean, I need to read that for my own personal edification. Yeah. You looked into Josie Canseco at all? Probably older now, right? She's <laughs> she's older. She looks okay. She's dating Brody Jenner, if that gives anyone any idea she's, uh, of what. Not hideous. <laughs> she is not. She looks like her mom. She looks but nothing with, like Jose Canseco. It's pretty great. She's got the complexion. Yeah. Jose. Yeah. That's it. Mm. And the shoulders. <laughs> big Canseco big shoulders. Giant biceps. Tribal tattoos. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, like we mentioned already, the process for writing this book is Jose Canseco would lay in bed in his boxers. And just tell stories. And tell stories. And Steve Ketman 
would write them down. Record them and write them. Record them and take notes. Which, like, that sounds so fun. It really does. Like, imagine having somebody who lived that fucking life just tell you stories. Yeah, that would be amazing. This is awesome. And again, with him, like, you kind of got to parse out what's true and what's not. But But you can sort of tell. Like, just the fucking angel devil dream thing. It's like, shut up, dude. That didn't happen. One time I save a baby. (laughs) That was in The Simpsons. You didn't actually do that. Speaking of being saved, months into the process, even after Jose Canseco has named names and told tales of injecting steroids in people's asses, the book is on the verge of getting canceled. It's a scary subject to put out because there's a chance that if this isn't true, you can get sued, right? Right. So, like, there is that. I don't know if that was Judith Regan's motivation, though. Doesn't seem like it ever would be. Because the thing that ends up saving the book is the notorious road beef chapter. Fuck yeah. (laughs) Which we've talked about before, which is just a chapter about baseball players cheating on their wives. Probably the best chapter in the book, if I can be 100% honest. Yeah. That and Cars. And Madonna. Yeah. I hate that those are the things that really... (laughs) like that I really but it's like in a way it almost seems like they're written with more passion (laughs) (laughs) well like like we talked about on the last episode they're all longer than the chapter about his wife and kid yeah well you know you're gonna get nuts my god this is a quote from Steve Ketman about Judith Regan agreeing to this chapter I knew that Judith Regan would find it interesting entertaining and it would be something that could interest people who weren't you know seam heads what a stupid fucking name for <laughs> baseball fans. It's apparently what some weirdos call people who like baseball. It's like giving yourself a nickname and it sucks. <laughs> Seamhead. Call me Jacker. I don't think you realize how dumb that nickname is going to be. So Juiced comes out. Just in time. Valentine's Day 2005. How it's romantic. The, the, gift, the gift for your love. And for your love of outing baseball players for taking steroids. And the night before that, Mike Wallace. The famous Mike Wallace. Puts the screws to him on 60 Minutes. He sure does. There's a 60 Minutes interview, and Jose Canseco confesses to a lot in about a 10-minute span. It's funny when he doesn't seem like a tough nut to crack. Mm -mm. Because he'll be like, you have to read the book. You're going to have to read the book. Kurt Schilling uh, beat a child to death in front of me. (laughs) You're like, wow, damn. That was quick. And the response from the media and the people around Jose Canseco is exactly what you would expect. Yeah. People were... They hated him. They were angry. They called him a sellout. And they did probably... They took the only course of action you could take and started calling him a liar. And one really good example of that happens during that 60 Minutes interview. Let's listen to... uh, Tony LaRusso's bitch ass. Both McGuire and Canseco played under manager Tony LaRusso in Oakland. Jose Canseco says that he and Mark McGuire used anabolic steroids a lot when you were managing them, like the old NAs. True? I don't think there's any doubt that uh, it's a fabrication. The okay. product of our good play I and the size and strength <laughs> yeah. of our players. Mark was a great example. What we saw was a lot of hard work, and hard work will produce strength gains. Size games. Why do you think that Canseco says that McGuire was using? Honest. First of all, I think he's in dire straits and needs money. I think secondly, uh, I think there's a healthy case of envy and jealousy. Woof. (laughs) Harsh, Tony LaRussa. But that's indicative of pretty much what the media response was. But the guy 
who was about to talk, if you watch that whole clip, when Mike Wallace asks him about Mark McGuire, and this guy is a sports writer, he goes, Mark McGuire clearly has more friends than Jose Canseco. Yeah. Because everyone was coming out defending McGuire, and it's like, Mark McGuire was taking steroids. Stop. And it's funny because La Russa, by saying, like, it's because he needs money and because he's jealous of Mark McGuire, we're like, yeah, but also it happened. Right. And the point that I feel is a valid point every time something like this comes up is if Jose Canseco was lying, he could have been sued. He says it in every interview. And every it's a, single interview. It's a great point. No one ever sued him. And a good example of that, Marion Jones, during the Balco investigation, Victor Conti said he was giving her steroids. She sued him for defamation for $25 million. So if these people were being lied about, they probably could have sued Jose Canseco. And it's they funny. Didn't. He says it all the time because Rafael Palmero said he was going to. Right. He was like the big the big guy that wanted to like, he's like, I'm, gonna, I'm thinking about a lawsuit. And then... Jose's just like, where's the lawsuits, man? Yeah. If I'm lying, they would sue and they haven't. What does that tell you? Right. That's the thing that you sort of notice because there is a video. If you have three hours to watch, (laughs) it's got like the 60 minutes on it. It's got a lot of Fox Sports stuff. It's good. There's one. I think it's like the Chris Wallace interview or whatever or something like that. There's a lot of really good ones, but like he says it a lot where he's like, I'll get sued if I'm lying. I know I'm not lying and I haven't been sued. Use your context clues. And he's right. You're right. Yeah, like he's shady. And one of the big things that is mentioned too in a lot of these conversations and a lot of these interviews and when people are talking about Canseco is, you know, like, oh, how come Canseco is not in as much trouble as these people for writing the book? And they're like, well, there are certain protections afforded to whistleblowers when they are the people that finally start to say, let's fix a problem. Yeah. Although... As you go back to the introduction of Juiced, I don't think he thinks it was a problem. And it wasn't until a lot of parents started saying, because he's recanted, by the way, the steroid The steroid thing. He did. He recanted it very quickly, actually, because a lot of parents of children whose kids died of steroid abuse were like, what are you doing, man? Like, what the fuck is wrong with you? Yeah. And he's been like, since then, I've actually turned my back. I think we need to get it out. Yeah, like you're right. Parents and kids become a big deal in the congressional testimony, which we'll talk about in a second. But yeah, within a month, Juiced was number one on the New York Times bestseller list. Of course. Uh, It's trash. Why wouldn't you? It's trash journalism. Cheap trash. Like, why wouldn't you? It's worth it getting that information. And almost purely by coincidence, around the same time Juiced comes out, well, not around the same time. The Balco investigation had been going for a couple years by yeah. this point. That yeah. investigation started in 2002, and the charges against Victor Conti were handed down February 12th, 2004. So a year before Juiced came out. And improbably, Jose Canseco is like the one major athlete who's not named in the Balco scandal. Probably because he's got his own thing he's making his own steroids <laughs> this point. Balco? <laughs> he's got a lab like in what world would jose canseco be like oh i know more than you about this can you teach me yeah jose canseco was doing fine without balco he didn't need to bury yeah. bonds an additional 30 pounds of muscle on balco is a subsidiary of jose canseco <laughs> yeah jose walked so balco could run <laughs> exactly so jose intentionally walked so balco could home run 
And it is weird that he's not like it's surprising, I guess, that he's not named in it because I think well, people would expect it. But but it makes sense. Yeah, like, it makes sense. You wouldn't need that. Plus, who's researching a guy who's not playing anymore? Yeah, you know, like what would you? It'd be like, oh, we got to look out. Uh, Chief J Strongbow over there could be using performance <laughs> enhancing drugs. It's like oh, that guy doesn't count anymore. Don't worry about it. It did make for some tense times writing the book, though. I would say if you're Steve Ketman, you might be like, I'm probably going to get killed. Yeah. Well, even if you're not going to get killed, just the prospect of having worked on all of this. And then one day the FBI shows up and goes, we need everything. Yeah, that's right. Because he he ends up like he burns all his shit. (laughs) Yeah. He's like, I don't want to record over the tapes because it'll look like I'm hiding evidence, which I always re-record over my tapes, but not these ones. Yeah. And he He fucking burned manuscripts and shit. Ends up taking all of his recorded conversations and everything from writing juiced and destroys all of it because he's worried the FBI is going to show up at his door. He like buries them while he's still using them too. Like he hides everything. And what's crazy is he didn't do anything. Yeah. But you know, you're always the hero of your own story. So you're probably going to be like, Oh, they're coming after me. Aren't they? Yeah. And it's a good look to protect your sources, obviously. Yeah. Uh, Until you talk shit on them on a podcast 15 years later. Yeah. No shit. The more I get into this, the less I like all of the people involved. Yeah. Jose Canseco's a fucking handful. He is because he did the right thing wrong, I guess is the best way to say it. Like He did the right thing for the wrong reasons. Yeah. If he had made a team, he wouldn't have written that book. The thing is, endeavors that are motivated by revenge, especially creative endeavors, don't usually work out. Are super hot. Oh. Well, yeah, they're hot, but it's going to go wrong in some way. Yeah. And Juiced ends up going wrong for Jose Canseco eventually. But first, he didn't get wrapped up in the Balco scandal, but we did get to see Jose Canseco testify before Congress. Like he was born to do. Yes. Man, what a fucking... I want to talk about the congressional hearings for a second because you hate saying, oh, this is just like comedy, but that could have just been shown on SNL the way it was. Oh, absolutely. And people would be like, this is hilarious. Because like Sammy Sosa, who speaks very good English, she speaks English very well, <laughs> all of a sudden sounds like an immigrant who's been here for four days. Yeah. I don't speak the English. <laughs> and it's like, what the fuck, man? I've seen commercials with you in it. It's like, nuts. It, it really is crazy that that was his default. McGuire getting questions and like trying to dodge them, but not moving. Yeah. He's trying to dodge questions and maneuver around them and just getting hit in the face every time. Yeah. At one point, I think they just ask him directly if he uses steroids. And his answer is something like, I'm here to tell you that's a bad thing to do. <laughs> I don't like, I don't want to live in the past. <laughs> like, yeah, but we're asking you about the past, bro. It's, <laughs> I don't want to live in the past. I, I, I don't want to. I just want to look forward. And it's like, what do you think this is? And then Rafael Palmero trying to build Clinton his way out of this whole thing. Yeah. He looked like jacked Robert Goulet <laughs> doing a Bill Clinton impression. He like did the like finger waving, like the I did not yeah. have sexual relations with those steroids. <laughs> I'll always have a soft spot in my heart for Rafael Palmero because when I went to all those minor league games as a kid, he was just the nicest fucking guy. Yeah, man. Like he was a treat of a person, at least in terms of a kid interacting with a baseball player rafael palmero was fucking great good greg maddox was piece of shit piece of fucking jet trash never put a needle in his ass probably but man what a piece of trash yeah 
Fuck that guy. Fuck you, Greg Maddox. Hey, let's listen to a, a fun little moment from the congressional testimony that I think still has some uh, relevance today. See if you recognize this voice. Thank you very much, Mr. Sanders. Thank you, Mr. Chairman. And I want to thank you and uh, the ranking member for calling this important hearing. Um, Mr. Chairman, uh, this morning uh, I was on a TV show, as I'm sure many members of this committee were, and I was asked by the interviewer whether I thought this committee was grandstanding, uh, whether in fact we were using the fame of these outstanding athletes to get our names in the paper and so forth, and I said I didn't think so because I thought this was a hugely important issue impacting millions of young people, and that's what I believe. But I do want to say that I am overwhelmed by the kind of media attention that this has gotten. I have counted dozens of TV cameras. And I think some of the American people wonder, is this all we do? Because this is what they see on television. So I want to say to our media friends that when some of us talk about the collapse of our health care system and millions of people not having any health insurance, come and join us. And we talk about the United States having the highest rate of childhood poverty in the industrialized world at a time when the rich are going richer. Come on down. Now, maybe we may have to bring great baseball players to help us talk about childhood poverty. I don't know. <laughs> I hope we could have some of the great experts, and I would hope you would come. Get him, Bernie. Oh, man. He's on it. Yeah. He, he is fucking. Pretty great point, too. He, yeah. Yeah. He's like, oh, now you come here for something that doesn't actually matter. Because that was kind of the public reaction to those congressional hearings. It's like, you don't do anything. And now you're here talking about baseball players? Yeah. They're like, oh, is that is that what you do? Yeah. And he's like, no, but you're never here. You don't give a fuck about us helping the country. You only care when baseball is called into effect. And another fun thing about that video, if you keep watching it, you get to watch Bernie Sanders ask baseball players about steroids. Actually, it's really great in there, too, because Kurt Schilling who he might be one of my least favorite people on the yeah. planet. He's a massive he's a, piece of he's shit. He's a big problem. And he's there and he's like, Mr. Conseco's a liar. And he's like, how many people would you say? He's like, I would say I've been in baseball for like 15 years and I would say maybe four or five. Okay. And Bernie like looks over and he's like, you sure about that? <laughs> yeah. All right. Yeah. Fine. Yeah. It's a good moment. Speaking of good moments, should we listen to Jose's opening statement? Ooh, it's so good. It's pretty good. Oh, thank you. Thank um, you. Thank you very much sir, for being here. Thank you. Mr. Chairman, members of the committee, distinguished guests, my name is Jose Canseco, and for 17 years I played professional baseball. I am humbled by the opportunity to appear before you today. Never in my wildest dreams could I have imagined that my athletic ability and love for America's game and will lead me to this place <laughs> and the subject that has brought me before this committee. And cars. When I decided to write my life story, Juiced, available at all major bookstores. What I revealed about myself <laughs> and Amazon. the game I played it had been out for a my month life by this would create point. a stir in the athletic world. I did know that my, my revelations would reverberate in the halls of this chamber you and in the hearts of so speech. many. Absolutely. My heart and condolences <laughs> go out to those families who lost their children to use of steroids. McGuire, welcome. You want Whoa. to rise with me and raise your right hand? Oh, yeah. We might as well just go right into so McGuire's because he lays it on really fucking thick. Man. 
He goes for it. Thank you very much for being with us. I don't know how he didn't get nominated for a fucking Oscar. He tries to move like Neo in the Matrix when he's avoiding bullets, but (laughs) gets shot every time. Members of the committee, thank you for having me. But this opening statement, oh, man. My name is Mark McGuire. I played the game of baseball since I was nine years old. Give it to him, Mark. I was privileged to be able to play 15 years in the major leagues. Says 16 on the screen, dipshit. I even had the honor representing my country in the 1984 Olympic baseball team. That's why your rookie card so I lame. love and respect yeah, our national like pastime. Patriotic piece of shit. I will do shit. everything in my power to help the game, shit. its players, and fans. <clears throat> First and foremost, you gonna cry, my asshole? heart goes out to every parent whose son or daughter I killed were victims on the way of steroid here. use. Here it comes. I hope that these hearings can prevent other families from suffering. Oh. Oh, Mark. Drink your little water, bitch. (laughs) He realizes he's going to lose everything. I admire the parents who had the courage to appear before the committee and warn the dangers of steroid use. My heart goes out to them. My enlarged (laughs) steroid working heart. When I was lucky enough to secure my last aorta heart, one of the first things I did was establish a foundation and donate $3 million of my own money to support abused children. Oh, shut up. That, that was does, Mark McGuire. That has nothing to do with what you did. Absolutely nothing to do with it at Congratulations all. Congratulations on the charity, stick. Yeah. That being said, Jose Canseco has still seen your bare ass with a needle dangling yeah. out of it. Jose poked your ass, bro. And that's not going to change. Quick side thing. Who did Jose Canseco say had the best ass that he ever injected? Oh, it was uh, into? fucking uh, Juan Gonzalez. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> nice I, ass, Juan. Oh, nice ass, Juan. He said Raphael has a flat ass. He yeah, said. he did. Raffy with your flat ass. <laughs> flat ass, Paul That's why Mero. he's so nice to people. Yeah. No ass to boost that personality. Like Juan Gonzalez is thick peach of an ass. Hell yeah. A Fucking f- pert from Apple Bottom. <laughs> yeah. Gonzalez. Fucking shy. I bet gotta it was get, shiny. Got to get special jeans. Yeah. I bet Jose, like, Put keels on it. Yeah, while like he was back polishing there. it with like a shine it up, a squeaky like. Yeah. Like oh, a, I want to take a bite out of Juan Gonzalez's ass. Bite Juan Gonzalez in the ass like Marv Albert. Is there a cameo for that? <laughs> there oh, will yeah. be. One hundred eighty dollars. You can bite Juan Gonzalez right an, in the ass. Does he have an OnlyFans? <laughs> yeah, fans only. Fans only ass biting thing. Um, there's a funny thing about it where in the congressional hearings, Bernie, it's Bernie because he's talking to shilling and he looks over to jose and he's like is that true and jose's he's like you said 80 percent and he's like well yeah 80 percent was the number that i said from like 94 to 2000 which is like the steroid era he's like and jose really kind of opens up he's like do you think people were going to keep doing it after the book yeah he makes the very cogent point of being like yeah that book came out and people stopped right look at the home run numbers now yeah. It's different for a reason. Yeah, I like his closing statement, too, because at the end of the hearings, they go one by one and ask each of them if they want to say any final thing. And Jose Canseco is like, if you let baseball police itself, we'll be back here in five years. Yeah, and he, like, laughs. And he was just yeah. like, yeah, we'll be right back here if you leave it up to baseball. Which is true. Yeah. It's like that time George... H.W. Bush was given a speech and had to mention JFK getting shot by a lone gunman, and he, like, chuckled a little bit. (laughs) (laughs) That didn't happen. (laughs) That really happened. People should look that shit up. Uh, 
I think next episode would probably be more appropriate to really get into the ramifications of this on Jose's yeah. career and what his career became moving What, what happened forward. afterwards, yeah. The immediate reaction, obviously, was people were angry and called him a liar. He became a pariah to everyone but the press. And he should have absolutely seen that coming. And I'm sure he saw it coming. I think he did, yeah. Because there's another book. There's two books I want to talk about that I think both are interesting parallels to Juice. Is it How to Make Love Like a Porn Star? Yeah, uh, and If if I I Did did It it by O.J. Simpson. That Uh, seems like the perfect mix of making a Jose Canseco That's a solid bookshelf right there. Sex and violence against women (laughs) and a white and brown mixing together. To make that like you everything it about all. it, it's just yeah, like it's the perfect. It's the perfect storm, perfect sandwich. Should be available in a three pack. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, you're not wrong. So there's this book that came out in 1970 called Ball Four, and this blew my mind. Oh, go on, but I'm going to say the thing that really blew my mind. Oh, okay, but yeah, this whole entire story, minus the congressional testimony, the FBI investigation, or any sort of action on Major League Baseball's part in response. Aside from all that, this whole story played out almost exactly the yeah. same way in 1970. But with amphetamines. With right. amphetamines. That's the year a book called Ball Four was published. And it was written by MLB pitcher Jim Booten. And it's basically a diary of his one season with the Seattle Pilots, which was a team that existed in 1969 and never again. Once like we a, made it to the moon, we're like, fuck it. Like a fucking MK Ultra experiment or something. <laughs> Bye. And it was pretty much the same thing as Juiced. He didn't really name as many names. He names one name. It was about all the dirty business and shenanigans players were getting up to on the road. But most importantly was the disclosure that amphetamine abuse was just rampant in baseball. Yeah. In a big way. Like, it's pretty damning it really is and i've always had a theory for the longest time that baseball really leaned into the steroid scandal to kind of distract from the amphetamine scandal because the amphetamine scandal is way way bigger it crosses decades and decades and decades and it impacts all your granddad's favorite ball players you know what though you know why another reason that i think steroids is such a bigger deal is because amphetamines don't have a visible, you can see on the baseball card effect. Right. You're hitting for average when you're on amphetamines. Yeah. You're, you're, you're not the Hulk. Well, I think the real dirty secret about baseball is that baseball can't exist as it does without the help of drugs. Yeah. When amphetamines went I mean, away. It can, it's just more boring. And it's almost cruel to put people through it without letting them take drugs. That's 162 games. So nuts, right? That is a long time. That is a huge, grueling schedule. And amphetamines were such a thing in baseball because sometimes you would play a night game and then have to play a day game. You might want to go out to eat after that game or live your life a little bit. So you stay out till 4 or 6 in the morning, and then you got to be at the ballpark by noon. Not Gary Carter. Gary Carter did not... Party? You want to hear about that? No. And like in the 86 Mets, it was just like this fucking group uh, of monsters and Gary Carter. Oh, yeah. <laughs> he was like this little church boy. I can see that. 
Yeah. Like Motley Crue when they were sober on that plane to Moscow for that fucking hard rock festival. Everyone around them getting fucking hammered and they're just mm. sitting there vibrating. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, I think baseball needs drugs, but that's a whole other thing. When this book came out, one interesting point, this is the point in history where America learns Mickey Mantle was an alcoholic. Yep. That sounds about right. Which. I guess you could have seen it looking at him. Yeah, you could have seen that puffy face. Yeah. You're how old and you look like that? And that was the thing that people really, really hated about this book because he didn't name any other names. He and Mickey Mantle used to be teammates. They were friends. How is it said that he says he's a heart? Did he like, was he just like me and Mickey Mantle had 30 beers? I think, yeah, he went into detail about what they would do after games and just how hard Mickey Mantle drank. From his description, it was apparent that Mickey Mantle was an alcoholic. Let's give it up for Wade Boggs for avoiding the A word. Yeah. After like really going to town. Wade Boggs is neat. I love Wade Boggs. <laughs> that is great. The, the Always Sunny episode, The Game Beats Boggs or whatever. Yeah. Is fucking amazing. Yeah. So after he wrote this book, same thing. Everyone hated him. He managed to play one more season. That's the thing that blows my mind. Yeah. He was an active player. Yeah. And that, was writing a book in his off season. Yeah, wrote a book in his off season and then comes back to the team like the eh? fucking play. Eh? We're still friends, right? And they're like, well, we got a contract. I'm surprised they didn't cut him. Yeah. They still pitched him. Yeah, they still let him pitch. And that's where one of my favorite details comes from. Apparently, anytime he was on the mound and playing against the Cincinnati Reds, Pete Rose took to yelling, fuck you, Shakespeare. Every time he was on the mound. I like that. Perfect. That sounds like Pete Rose, who now knows a thing or two himself about being blacklisted from baseball. Yeah, yeah. Fuck you, gambling Shakespeare. Fuck you, Jimmy the Greek. And yeah, it was the Mickey Mantle stuff that essentially got him blacklisted. Nice little detail, I guess. Really fractured his relationship with Mickey Mantle. A a 25-year grudge. Yeah, and he had reached out a few different times to try and make amends, and Mickey Mantle always shot him down. And then uh, Mickey Mantle's son died in 1994, and this guy sent a condolence letter. An autographed copy of the book. (laughs) Yeah, stuffed it in bookmark to the page where Mickey Mantle's getting hammered all the time. Perhaps an idea of what you could do. (laughs) But that actually healed their relationship. Says the wages of sin is death. (laughs) Jesus. Going hard. He found Christ in a bad way, you know? (laughs) The difference about Ball 4 as it pertains to being compared to Juice, Ball 4 is a revered book in history it is considered one of the most important sports books ever written it's the only sports themed book to make the new york public library's 1996 list of books of the century wait till 2096 when you see juiced on that list maybe we will one day like there's gonna be a public library (laughs) exactly or a new york in 2096 (laughs) it's not gonna be any of that it's also listed in time magazine's 100 greatest nonfiction books of all time which cool Good for Jim Booten. Yeah. They also tried to make it a TV series, and it got canceled, which I'd be up for rebooting that. I'd like to see that. I'd like to Booten. see. <laughs> you know who should make it? Danny McBride. Yeah. Although, do you think that would be too close to uh, Eastbound and Down? Maybe, but still. Because Eastbound and Down is not unlike that kind of a yeah, idea. Not real. Yeah. I mean, Eastbound. I loved Eastbound and Down. It's so it's good. so fucking good. He doesn't make bad stuff for HBO. 
No, he just, makes bad stuff. Just for uh, the Halloween franchise. So the other book I wanted to mention, and this I think also plays into the idea that baseball was really leaning into steroids to kind of take some attention away from the fact that there was also an amphetamine scandal, because a year after Juiced comes out, Philly's legend Mike Schmidt. One of the greatest third basemen of all time. Yeah, he was great. He was yeah. my my first. Nope, that was Robin Yount. Never mind. I was going to say my first baseball card, but it was Robin Yount. You understand why I would make that mistake. No, I, I get it. But Mike Schmidt in 2006, a year after Juiced, writes a book called Clearing the Bases. He's like, I got to get on in this book money. And his whole angle is everyone's taking amphetamines. He was liked, though. That's the interesting yeah. thing. Like, people revere Mike Schmidt. He is in the Hall of Fame. Yeah, well, that's the thing. He wrote it after he was in the Hall of oh, Fame. Yeah, like, by that point, he had already been in. So, taking photos of it in front of his Cooperstown thing. <laughs> well, yeah, you're kick me out now. But you didn't see any of the reaction to clearing the bases that you saw with Juiced. I'm telling you, man, amphetamines aren't steroids. You can measure the change in steroids visibly. When you, you know, they talk about bonds as like the biggest example of it, where you're like, you don't go from that to that. Yeah. Like that's what steroids does. And that's unfair. Whereas amphetamines, you can't be like, oh, see, three weeks ago, he missed this high and outside ball, but he took amphetamines and then he hit that high and outside ball. Right. It's the, not a visible. I get that thing. part, but I think. I don't think that's the reason baseball never made a big deal out of clearing no, the bases. I think it's why people don't care. Yeah, but people would care if they understood what amphetamines do for a baseball player. It's so funny, actually. I want to talk about that because people think it's fucking hilarious when, uh, what's his name, was on LSD for his fucking perfect game. Or Doc Ellis. Doc Ellis. Or like when Dave Wells is just like, I was fucking hung over his shit and I threw a, I threw a no hitter. Or when people are like, I was doing so much cocaine. We look at the 86 Mets like those boys, those bad boys doing fucking rails of cocaine. Like Mets won the 86 World Series. Do you want to put an asterisk next to it? Exactly. What the <clears throat> fuck? Well, that's what I think was baseball's aim in trying to hide the amphetamine scandal because... Remember, all the talk around steroids was, oh, if Barry Bonds breaks the record, it doesn't count yeah. because he was taking steroids. Well, if you're honest about drugs in baseball, then you have to put an asterisk next to all those like players who were taking it, yeah. amphetamines all Maybe those like fucking years. Paul Molitor might be the only person left. In the yeah. Well, the other thing, too, is amphetamines can be ignored and it can be denied and swept under the rug because you're not getting jacked. Yeah. Like steroids is not hideable. You can't look at Jose Canseco and be like, is that amphetamines? You know what it is. But what are the health ramifications of abusing amphetamines? Probably not that bad. Because here's the question. Were they abusing them or just popping a pill before a game? You're probably. Because then you're just like taking Adderall, basically. Yeah. And you're taking it as prescribed. There you are. <laughs> Give, me, right? Give me an Adderall. Go to the baseball. Go to the baseball. Go to the baseball. I like Concerta better. I love Concerta, man. I miss my Concerta. Yeah, I might get back on that. I Fuck think yeah, I man. It. If you're not going to get on it, at least get on it and give me them. 54 milligrams. Yeah. I was up to 72 at one point. Damn, dude. Right? 54, man. I'll tell you what. I never felt more healthy Yeah. than when I was doing that. It's an I appetite gotta, suppressant. I, get, I know someone going on Concerta and they're they're not big. They're, they're very thin. And I was mm. like, you better start scheduling meals and eating when you're not hungry because yeah. that shit. You're going to die. You won't eat for two days. It's great. I fucking love it. It's amazing. Oh, amphetamines are great. Amphetamines are wonderful. 
Yeah, so I had some quotes about clearing the bases, but you get it. And there is that famous story. There was a drug trial in Pittsburgh in 1985. And in that trial, Dale Barra and Dave Parker testified that Willie Stargell and Bill Madlock dispensed greenies to their Pirates teammates. John Milner told the jury that Willie Mays had a bottle of red juice or liquid amphetamines in his locker when they played for the Mets. So that's a scandal that baseball has some vested interest in hiding because when you start getting into names like Willie Mays, you're fucking with the foundational history of baseball. But yeah, amphetamines were a problem too. Yeah. And I think it's also, it came out second. It came out after. So people are like, yeah, we know there's a problem with drugs in baseball, Mike Schmidt, big deal. Yeah, but it's still the time frame in question because the steroid era in baseball is like 10 years and the amphetamine era was like it's seven as long decades. As baseball has existed, yeah. So it was a way bigger scandal. And sure I feel Honus Wagner. Yeah. Doing whatever old timey amphetamines <laughs> they were. So I yeah. ground up a horse and I ingested it. I feel like it just got swept under the rug, and I still get so mad when I see sports writers, sports writers who know better, who are like, nope, not voting for Roger Clemens in the Hall of Fame. He was using steroids. It's like, bitch. Most of the people you voted into the Hall of Fame were using amphetamines. Yeah. Like, get over yourself. Oh, and Conseco got uh, less than 2%. You need 5% of the votes to get considered on a future ballot. So he is wiped off the ballot. And he knew that. A lot of the interviews were, we're going to give you some names. Should they be in the Hall of Fame? And they're like, Roger Clemens. He's like, yep. They go, Mark McGuire. He's like, absolutely. And they go, Jose Canseco. He goes, no. Like, he knew it. He was like, no, yeah. I'm not. He's like, I'm not going to do it. I'm not. Yeah, it's never going to happen. It's not going to happen. And I guess in a way, I don't deserve it. Yeah. He's said that. Yeah. I mean, Pete Rose will be in before Jose Canseco, probably. And he'll say, fuck you, Juice Spear. <laughs> fuck you, Shakespeare. Oh. Fucking runs him over on stage. <laughs> Runs into Jose Canseco and just fucking falls down his old ass. Flies backwards. Isn't there like a great bit where Pete Rose keeps showing up to like WrestleMania and getting fucked up? I think oh, like like I don't know. I think like Kane keeps beating the shit out of Pete Rose. It's like a whole bit. <laughs> we should probably look at that after. We will. But yeah, that's I guess that's a sode, huh? That's a sode. That All was right. a good episode. So next it's the it's the full aftermath. What's life like for Jose? After juice. How's Jose now? Jose Canseco. <laughs> I don't get it. It's Jose. It's Jose, but how's he doing? It's a thing. You wouldn't put those two together in that sentence, though. It but I be did. Two separate words. Okay. Agree to disagree. So that is our episode. What do we have to plug? You're already listening on Patreon. We might uh, be moving to a different subscription service soon. Ideally, we will be. That'd and be it nice. will be. More robust with better features. I like a robust feature. Easier to use and just sexier in general. Yeah, I like that. <laughs> so be on the lookout for that. Bolo, Jeff, what do you got to plug? Well, uh, Mint on Card is the second Friday of every month. At no, it's not. Past, uh, except December. See? It's December 6th, which is the first Friday of the month. So that's pretty exciting. Uh, what else we got here? I got uh, Tom and Jeff watch Batman and Gamefully Unemployed with Tom What's Ryman. that about? Uh, I don't, it's changes every week. Cool. You never know. It's a, uh, it's a real grab bag. And I got other stuff. Find me on the internet. Don't, don't Correct. do it. Tell Jose Canseco to come on the podcast. Yeah. We need to get Jose on here to clear some things up. So, uh, reach out, see if he'll do it. Yeah. If you have Keep any connects, if you have any connects. Yeah. Keep tweeting at him. Hashtag Jose Canseco. Help us out, Stu Stone. We covered your documentary on a podcast. Come on. Hashtag Stu Stone. Put us in touch. All right. Let's get the fuck out of here. Jeff. 
Say goodbye. I actually don't want to say goodbye. I only want to look forward to the future. I don't want to think about the Goodbye, everybody. We love you. Bye.